Today's episode is brought to you by Duke City Story Slam. Listen, you want to get out of the house for a little bit? Maybe take your partner on a date, but do something a little bit different? I have just the thing for you folks in Albuquerque. Duke City Story Slam. Duke City Story Slam is Albuquerque's only storytelling competition where you get to hear real-life stories from real-life people in the community in a fun and friendly environment every other month. Each event features three featured tellers that share stories from their personal life in about 10 minutes or less. And if you have a story you want to share, they have an open mic section for the community, so you have the ability to share a story from your world based off that theme. And good news, the next Story Slam event is being held Tuesday, November 14th at 6 p.m. at Canteen Brewhouse, the official home of DCSS. Canteen Brew House has some of the best beers in the city. The Pico's Trail Brown is my personal favorite. And they have a food menu that perfectly hits the spot every time. The next Duke City Story Slam event is happening Tuesday, November 14th at Canteen Brew House, located at 2381 Aztec Road, Northeast Albuquerque, New Mexico. A $5 donation is requested, but money is no objection. They want to see more of the community represented. So if money is a barrier, just mention this ad and they've got you covered. Check the link in the show notes to visit the website. Welcome in everyone to another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Swim Kareem, and we are fully loaded. We got a good episode for you today. A little bit everything, but... Yeah, very, very focused. We, we're going to talk a little bit about something that's been kind of on my mind a lot lately, job salary ranges. Listen, the market is wild right now. Uh, even in the nonprofit space, there are a lot of people that are looking for jobs, trying to switch jobs, want more money, car payments are going up, the highest that it's ever been. So look, when you're looking for a new job, uh, you want to know what's, what, how much you can potentially make. And I think the nonprofit sector has a whole in their game. So I'm going to talk about that here in about five, six, seven minutes, something like that. I'm going to do a little book review, rapid fire books. You know, that's one of my favorites. Uh, Next to the nonprofit horror stories, I love a good book review. So I got a good one on I said what I said. So we'll talk about that here in about 20 minutes. Stay tuned for that. That'll be our last second of the day. And got a good news story coming up here in a little bit. So I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Listen, if you haven't had a chance, be sure, look, do me a favor, follow me on Instagram. We've got some good stuff going on, we've got new logos, we got some great things coming up between now and the end of uh, 2023, we're about to ring in a new year, baby, so well, we've got some good things coming up, so be sure to follow us on Instagram. If you haven't already, listen, do yourself a favor go back to the previous episode, episode 23. We had our very first guest here on the Nonprofit Insider. We had Emily Cronin. She told a story, a nonprofit horror story, that really just hits all the buttons. And it's super funny because you know, listen, Duke City Story Sam is an official sponsor of the show. And one of the things is I went to Canteen Brew House here in Albuquerque, because they're a sponsor of Duke City Story Slam. Listen, it's all circle, so you know I'm going to give some love. So I went to uh, Canteen Brew House, 
And I talked to the manager, shout out to Jamie, and we were kind of connecting, giving some insights. And as we were talking, she said, oh yeah, I listened to the episode, and that story your guest told on the show was wild. So listen, people in the community are listening to the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. If you haven't had a chance, go back to episode 23, our very first guest. Listen, because you know I haven't done any guests. So go back, listen to that episode, listen to that nonprofit, nonprofit horror story. We think you're going to like it. All right. Let me see. Is there anything else? Let me see. If you want, leave me a review. That'll be something I'll be working on at some Christmas time. <laughs> I need more reviews. I'm trying to get up to 10 reviews. So go ahead, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't had a chance. All right, enough of that. Let's get into today's new segment and then we'll go from there. One of the things I like to do when coming up with an episode for the Nonprofit Insider podcast is really thinking about what are the best ways I can make sure you get a really good product. Listen, you're busy. You're leading lives. Uh, you got family. You got friends. There's, there's a lot going on. You've got a lot of options. And so when you tune in, I try to give it to you in a skinny and under about you know, 30, 35, 40 minutes if I can. And one of the things in doing that is making sure I'm spending the time doing the research, doing the the insights. You know, listen, we got the, the Rapid Fire books coming up here in about 20 minutes. I, there was a book that I read, it's 375 pages. So making sure I take the time to read, keep up with the industry and talk to people in the community that are in this nonprofit space, because I think that's what you deserve. But one of my favorite parts, honestly, of doing the, the podcast is the new segment because that's the opportunity where I get to see what's happening across the nation. And I try to pick a new segment that's within about a, a 24 to 40 hour range. So usually when I'm doing the new segment, I'm doing it like the night before the podcast drops because I want to see what's the, 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 the things that are out there that are new, that are fresh. And I came across an article that really hits 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 this on the nail. So here in about five minutes, for the next five minutes, I'm going to share a really good article. I'm going to put in the show notes here. Uh, this is actually from the Men Post. That's M I N N Post. So like Minnesota is an organization. Actually, a 501c3 I saw on their website, based out of the Minnesota area, and they had a, a lot of great articles and things like that on it. But there's one that really, of course, stood out to me because what I do is I just type in nonprofit. I hit the news button on Google and I see what Google and the overlords say is uh, worth reading. And an article came up that said, and I quote, there are other people like me, semicolon, new nonprofit connects LGBTQ plus youth with mentors. And this came out on October 23rd. So this is a Monday. And obviously you're listening to this on a Wednesday, maybe on a, a Thursday. So this came out just this week at the beginning of the week. And what a great article to really highlight because there's just so many, there's just so much that's happening in the world. Sometimes just getting a really good quality article with some really good positive attributes is what we need. And so big shout out to the writer, Andy Steiner. I want to make sure I said her name right. She's a contributor writer with Men Post. Again, that's M-I-N-N post.com. I have it in the show notes, this particular article. And she highlights, the the author highlights, and she does, a, I got to give her a lot of credit on this for real, one of the better articles, actually 
probably one of the best articles I've read all year and talked about here in the nonprofit space. She does a really good job. They do a really good job of explaining this nonprofit. And they started off by sharing the story of a, a husband and a wife. They have a 13-year-old child, and basically through what all, the child goes to, uh, tra- uh, goes to um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Transition. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I got the words on my head. Uh, goes to transition. And so they, the, the, the author talks about how this family, they have this kid, they're having just a lot of things going on in their life, a lot of things that they're struggling with. And it wasn't until this child came out as trans that everything really started to kind of come into place of what can the, this parent, these parents do to help their child, right? And after that initial story, the author goes into this organization, this nonprofit organization called Queer Space Collective. And I'm going to read this directly from the from the article here. It says Queer Space Collective is a, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Queer Space Collective is a two and a half year old nonprofit that matches LG, LGBTQ plus youth in the Twin Cities in St. Cloud with queer and trans mentors. There's a little bit more to, to the paragraph and the sentence, but you, you get the gist. And as I read the article, I'm like, dash, two and a half years. This is a, a big thing, obviously, in terms of society as a whole and more and more young people really grasping their identities and how they see themselves versus how the world sees them. And it, it highlights the the founder of this nonprofit, Queer Space Collective, by the, a, a person by the name, a lady by the name of Nikki Hagslin-Bin. Hagslin-Bin? I apologize, Nikki, if that if I said your name incorrectly. Hagslin Ben, I believe I said it right, but you never know. Um, and it talks about this founder's journey and the world as a whole, their backdrop, their upbringing, their business acumen, and what prompted them to even start this particular nonprofit. And it's, it's a great story of how basically once the pandemic got started. Nikki, the founder, was like, hey, I, I have an opportunity. I feel a calling to do something a little bit more for their community. And they go on to share you know, how they got to start and all that stuff. But really sharing the fact that this organization has, up to this point, matched 59 queer and trans youth with a mentor in their one-on-one mentorship program. I, I think this is a really, really impressive model. And again, it's just an article. You know, I don't have all the details. I didn't even look up GuideStar for this. I just was like, you know what? This is perfect. I want to talk about this. Uh, So I don't know all the insights and the structure that they have, but it's a type of model that I can easily see being duplicated in the likes of if you're in Chicago, if you're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you know, they're based in the Minnesota area, but I can totally see this model expanding because the big thing that I really took away from this article was that this nonprofit organization is helping to navigate and provide navigation for young queer and trans individuals and their respective families if that respective family is supportive. And so when you're talking about the ideas of transition, there there is a, a lot of great information, of course, out there. But when you have the ability to connect with a mentor, 
uh, someone that's older than you that's been through that particular experience that understands some of the the fears and the angst and the joys that come with it, it, it can just be truly an amazing thing. And this nonprofit does other things too. They do they teach classes, they do training institutes, they do consulting with, for education institutions and corporations. So you could tell they're trying to do like a little bit of everything uh, as it relates to this particular sector, uh, not only helping individuals, uh, but also the community as a whole to kind of really be in a better position because we have some really great uh, humans some really great people out here. And, and so we need to educate ourselves in so many ways. So check this article out. I'm going to drop it in the show notes. Uh, again, shout out to Andy Steiner. She wrote a really good one. And shout out to the men post for uh, posting this. It's humbling when someone close to you calls you out on something, especially if it's something you already knew. We often do this in our own heads with other people, you know. Damn it, Shamika, if you would stop adding so many people on your emails, it's infuriating. The whole department does not need to know the company car is in the shop this week. No one uses it in August when everyone is on vacation anyway. Stop doing it. You know, you kind of do that in your head. You're like, Todd, for the last time, no one wants to hear about the, the, the Disney vacation for the 18th time. We already know Goofy tripped and fell and knocked your, your slushy over. You know, we, we all have those moments where in our head we kind of call other people out for poor driving, poor workmanship, um, for having to do self-checkout. You know, you do self-checkout. And now more people are used to self-checkout, but you do self-checkout and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just so tired of doing this. Why isn't there anyone here to do this for me? Like we kind of call out others in our head. But when someone calls you out and they're right, it, it just hits different. It just hits different. And I remember one time my ex-wife, we were out at dinner, her and I, and I don't even know where we were. This was maybe eight years ago, nine years ago. We were in a restaurant way before kids or anything like that, and we're out, and we're at a restaurant, and I'm looking through a menu, and the waiter comes by, you know, can I get you some water, get you something to drink? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah some water's good, no ice. Go away, come back. Uh, are you ready to order? Oh, actually, can I ask you some questions about this on the menu? Can you give me some insights on that on the menu? They leave and come back, and I'm still unsure. And I remember very clearly, like, we're sitting directly across from each other, we're sitting directly across from each other. And I remember after ordering the food, I can't even remember what I ordered. After ordering the food, she said, you know, you are not decisive enough. And that's something that when, when you're married to someone, right, and they hit you with that, or you're date, seriously dating someone, and they hit you with something that is accurate, and deep down you knew it all along, I mean, she called me out. And I think it's time that we call out the nonprofit space because nonprofits are doing a poor job of pay transparency. I mean, just from my point of view across the board, just straight up D. And, and I know we have some people in the nonprofit space that are some serious overachievers. They love a little bit of praise, love getting, you know, the pats on the head and getting some A's. We, we need to give ourselves a D because right now in the nonprofit space, the amount of Poor pay transparency is high. 
and, 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 and when I think and talk about pay transparency, there's so many things about it that can be involved. We're talking about the sharing of pay in the top ranking executive positions, which nonprofits already do on their 990 forms. But we're also talking about pay for all levels. We're talking about the, the high bonuses and perks that a lot of people in the nonprofit space can get. We're, the pay transparency is, is a whole span of things. But specifically for me, I'm in this particular rant, I'm talking about the, the, the poor job nonprofits do, especially in regards to the pay range and job postings. If, if the nonprofit is getting a D in pay transparency, just a little bit better. I'll give, the, I'll give the industry a little bit credit. I think they're doing a little bit more like a C plus, but there's still a lot of inroads to do. And I think since the pandemic really hit the wall in March of 2020 for us here in the United States and some Western worlds, even though we know a lot of other places were experiencing and even a couple months beforehand. But when the pandemic really hit, hit the wall in, in 2020, you saw so many shifts and change. It was like a lava lamp. There were just so many things going on in the nonprofit job market space. Like with anything, things were just changing really fast. But since that point in time, you're seeing a lot more nonprofits posting uh, the job salaries. And so if you do a third party, you know, Indeed, Monster, you know, with some of these other ones that exist out there, LinkedIn, as an example, if you post on a lot of these, you see a lot of nonprofits putting paid ranges, which is really, honestly, really, really good. Uh, but the numbers seem to be all over the place. And I've been seeing that anywhere from about 45 to 55% of job posting these days have a pay scale, but that includes all job postings. So whether you're trying to you know, work in government, whether you're trying to work in for-profit, non-profit, NGOs, anything like that, you're seeing anywhere from about 45 to 55%. And that's depending on the particular outlet that's doing that study or providing that information. I know if you go to Indeed, they'll say they're on the higher end, closer to 55 if you go to other third-party sites, they're saying 40%, 45%. So this is still all kind of new because in the last you know, three years, three, four years, there have been a fury of changes as it relates to the way that organizations approach posting, uh, job postings and the salaries that come with it. it but you know, for, for the nonprofit space, it seems to still be a little bit more in its infancy so finding numbers or hardcore numbers of the number of nonprofit jobs that have a, a pay scale, I haven't quite seen that uh, super well. And, and I went back and, and did some research here because, listen, I got the time and there's some really, really good, amazing uh, leaders in this particular space. And one of my favorite websites, nonprofitaf.com, they, they have been... I think I've been keeping up with them probably since 2013, something like that. Just a blog. I'll put them in the, the the show notes below. They probably have one of the premier blogs because they really speak the language a lot of a lot of people that are in this nonprofit space. And they had a, a post from 2015 titled, When You Don't Disclose Salary Range on a Job Posting, a Unicorn Loses Its Wings. <laughs> I don't know. I just find that so funny because it really gives a, a poignant, fun, but to the point aspect of, hey, 
This is serious, and I've been surprised at the number of nonprofits that all over the, the board, large, small, medium, even though I do feel like, funny enough, I do see a lot of job postings coming from um, medium-sized nonprofits seem to do it the most. It feels like the really small nonprofits and the really big nonprofits are scared to, to put pay ranges, but a lot of medium-sized nonprofits, and medium is a relative term, they seem to do pretty well. Uh, but it, it, that, that hits at the point. And they had a couple of other posts that I think are really good. I'll put in the chat about how not showing, this is one of the other posts from September 2024, quote, not showing the salary range and job posting is a archaic and inequalitable. So why do we keep doing it? And I think that's just a, a perfect question. Why do we keep doing it? And there are a lot of reasons behind it. I know there is a very, very big nonprofit here in the area that I live. It's a, um, I'll just say they are a food service provider. They help a lot of people with hunger or homelessness in a lot of respects. Their big thing is providing food to people uh, so that they have the ability to eat and not to choose between, uh, you know, prescription medicine and just keeping the lights on and, you know, buying a loaf of bread. But they have a tendency in, in the community to be known as an organization that doesn't pay well. Well, that's one thing if you don't pay well. But it's another thing if you don't tell people you don't pay well. And and when you look at a lot of jobs for this particular organization, you never see them post the the, uh, a job range or a salary range. And it's infuriating. And it just doesn't make any sense with an organization of this size and of the scale and a lot of respect in the community, a lot of connections, the harm that they think is being caused by not sharing a job range or or salary range. It just doesn't make any sense why more nonprofits are are not at the forefront of doing this. And in the job market, it just sucks right now. It just sucks. I have a friend and he's hanging out. I'm hanging out with him on Saturday and he makes his own beer. So, you know, listen, I I love a good beer. I love a good beer. Go go to Canteen Brew House. Shout out to DCSS. And (laughs) I love a good beer. And so he makes some really good beer. And so I'm talking to him on Saturday, and he's like, I'm thinking about, he's like, swim, I'm thinking about moving back to Ohio, because he's trying to get a new job, he's not seeing anything that works for him, he feels like he can get a lower cost of living, a little bit more land, and just be in a place that has more greenery in his parts of Ohio, and he's like, I don't want to do it, Ohio fucking sucks, He like, I, I don't want to go back there, and I relate to that, because I often talk about how I have an opportunity. I have an ability to go back to Philadelphia. I'm like, I just don't want to do it. But sometimes the job market pushes you in a way to do things that you don't want to do because, and I think it needs to be completely acknowledged. And this is something that I saw when I was looking at the nonprofit AF. They reminded me that one of the biggest reasons that you're seeing job postings that have salary ranges is because of legislation. It's because of legislation. There are more and more states and cities and counties that are requiring organizations of 15 people or more to post a salary range. And there's there can be all kinds of complications that come with that. You've seen the, the, the funny stories and insights of organizations posting job ranges, and it's like, 
job range is 50,000 to 120,000, right? It can be kind of ludicrous. It can be ridiculous. Um, but the, 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 the fact remains, salary ranges and job postings are great and nonprofits should be at the forefront of this. And honestly, I'm embarrassed that there are not more organizations that are doing this. And there's a lot of pushback and barriers that come with it. Um, but in all, it's something that we need to be able to see because in the end, after sitting down for dinner with my ex-wife and her calling her out, it kind of hurt. You know, I kind of sunk in my seat a little bit, but she was right. And for almost two years after my ex-wife called me out, I forced myself to pick something off a menu whenever I go to a restaurant and choose what I am going to eat within 30 seconds looking at the menu. I am dead serious. It was something that it, it hit me so hard that it was such a hole in my game for you sports references, you know, sports people out there. It was such a hole in my game. It was like, I know she's right. And I, she's right. She knows she's right. And I know she's right. So what's the point? And so for two years, every time I get a menu, I would clock myself and I give myself 30 seconds and I would choose something, put the menu down. And that was it. I wouldn't give myself the ability to go back because I'm not a person that wants to look in a review mirror. And for the nonprofit space, if you like looking in the rearview mirror, then don't post a job uh, salary range. But if you're the type of nonprofit that's forward thinking, you want to give the best to your volunteers, you want to give the best to your board members, you want to give the best to your community, post a job salary range in all of your job postings. It's going to make a world of difference in so many different ways. All right, time for today's Rapid Fire Books segment. And we have a truly impressive uh, truly impressive book on deck to discuss. You know, a few weeks ago, I was in Denver for a conference on volunteerism. Uh, shout out to the Colorado Conference on Volunteerism. And, and one of the, the breakout sessions, one of the breakout session presenters I had a pleasure in sitting in on was Severina Ware, a certified volunteer administrator, and just an overall nice person. You know, have you know how you meet someone and you just go, gosh, this person is like really nice? Yeah, she is definitely one of those people, gives off some great energy, some great vibes, as the young people say. And so it was just really nice kind of being in her session and being around her energy. And she had a great session on self-advocacy in the industry, which, you know, we are all about here on the Nonprofit Insider podcast. And so she had mentioned being an author during her session. But when, when she said she was an author, I didn't catch her name. So one of the things is during the lunchtime, you know, people are gathered around, you get a chance to, you know, talk and see people and all that stuff. And so I said, you know, I ran into her, I said, you know, what was the name of that book you said you were a contributor to? And so she said, the name of the book was, I said what I said. Okay, so I wrote that down. And when I got back to the house, you know, or I looked online, found it pretty easily, and I ordered it. And the full name of the book is, I said what I said an anthology of black women and nonprofit. It also says, this is all on the first cover, it also says, the black women and nonprofit leadership cohort gathered by Erica Y. Flood Montrill. You know, I like to do this on every single Rapid Fire's book. I actually like starting with the design. <laughs> like a, a good book is not only the words, let's be honest, that's inside, but it's also the way it's crafted. Because, you know, if you, if you see someone across the bar that looks interesting, you're like, oh, well, if they look interesting on the outside, 
they might be interested on the inside, you know, like you appreciate that. So a good book cover really does go a long way. And so this book has a really, really great design. The, the first thing you notice about the book, it's it's thick. <laughs> I, 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 I was honestly surprised by the size of the book when it came in the mail. It's a solid 372 pages, which is really, really impressive. And despite it being almost 400 pages, you want to read every single word. And so the, 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 the cover draws you in when you open up the book. And, and the cover, let me just say the cover, nice color scheme. Hello, black and yellow. I mean, like Wiz Khalifa up in here. It's just a great color scheme. You know we love yellow and black here at the Nonprofit Insider. Um, and when you open a book, the, the very first thing I always love to look at a book, what's the font and spacing? Because I'd, I'd rather a book be 372 pages and be properly spaced than be 200 pages. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a headache because the words are just so close together. So very, very, very impressive from the editors. I think this is Spark Imagination Publishing. Shout out to them. They did a really good job. The editors did a really good job with just spacing it well, making it easy for you to read this book. If you take it on a plane, if you're going to the coffee shop, if you're going to any, if you're going to Red Rock Roasters and you just want to sit down in their office or sit down in their location and read one of, uh, read a book, the book is very well spaced. And the thing I appreciate about the book, it keeps to the target audience of black women. Obviously, I'm not a black woman. I am black, but I don't identify as a black woman. But the target audience is black women. And throughout the book, it makes sure that it keeps the focus where the focus needs to be. Now, look, you don't need to be a black woman specifically to read this book. You can be African-American male. You can be of Asian descent. I mean, you could be from really all places of the world if you are. In the nonprofit sector, this book will especially speak to you because I think it has some just insights that people in the nonprofit world would really, really appreciate. Um, but you don't have to be black necessarily to read this book. In fact, I encourage you, if you aren't black, to read this book. You can learn some really interesting things. And, you know, I just, just some easy takeaways from this book when picking it up. Um, because uh, there were some reoccurring themes and one of the reoccurring themes, there were about three, four, five reoccurring themes. And so one of them was that a lot of the authors, and this is a book where they have 25 different contributors, 26, if you include the founder, uh, Miss Erica Y. Flood, uh, Moultrie, if you include her, she's the 26, uh, but it has 25 different contributors just basically sharing their stories of being in a nonprofit space. Some take a more direct approach in terms of almost like they're writing a letter to an African, to a black woman in the nonprofit space saying like, hey, sis, this is, let me kind of give you some, put you up on some game. So it has a little bit of that element. But a, a lot of the, the words just really speak to their own individual experiences, which I really appreciate you can tell that the writers had the freedom to really talk about what they wanted to talk about and talk about it in a fashion that was comfortable with them because every single contributor writes just so differently. I'm like, I really, really appreciate this. And one of the reoccurring themes is constantly talked about is finding and having a good mentor. 
I know I've been working with a mentor over these last two years. It really is a game changer. So I really appreciate the fact that many of the contributors say, hey, listen, you might not have a mentor. You might not know how to get a mentor, but this is one of the ways or these are a couple processes to kind of think about. Another theme that you see a lot, a lot of finding time to rest. And again, the target audience is black women. So the language, the approach is just, that's where it needs to be. And there are a lot of instances where a lot of the contributors talk about how beneficial it is to find rest, to relax, to give time to yourself, to refill your own cup. Because when you're in the nonprofit space, it's already difficult. But when you have the oppressions of the system of society in the United States, that's a whole nother thing. A lot of advocating for oneself. Again, that's how I met Severina and how I learned about this book because her whole entire session was talking about advocacy. And I got a nice quote coming up from her here in about three, four minutes. So stay tuned for that. A lot of the, the themes are around friendship and sisterhood. Uh, a lot of the contributors talk about how being a part of this cohort and the black women and nonprofit leadership it's a cohort offered by the Dallas TRHT. I think that stands for Truth uh, and Racial Healing. Uh, let me make sure I got that right here. I'll see it in a little bit. And the whole goal is to provide an intentional racial healing space for Black women in the nonprofit sector. So they just really do a, a great job here. Uh, yeah, Truth, Truth, comma, Racial Healing and Transformation. So my apologies there. And... Um, so this cohort is all based, for the most part, I imagine, in the greater Dallas metro area. And they talk about how the friendship and the sisterhood and the camaraderie really is something that they really appreciate. You, you see a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of talk of God in, in, this, in this book, especially in the first three chapters. You know, religion has never really been my thing, but for a lot of individuals that uh, you know, live in the South. It's just cultural, right? There's a lot of talk of God and religion. Uh, there are a couple of moments where it's just like, okay, like, you know, I, I kind of get the point. When you start having whole Bible quotes and you're like, all right, not my cup of tea. I don't think it, it's not going to push you away from reading it. Uh, but for some people, like it might even draw them in even more. But for me, I'm like a lot of the God talk, you know, just because it's not my thing, just didn't really speak to me. Um, and then a lot of uh, showing up as your authentic self. A lot of talk of imposter syndrome. And, and that was something that really, really stuck out to me because there are a lot of amazing uh, women in the nonprofit space and a lot of amazing black women in the nonprofit space that feel that those aspects of imposter syndrome, feeling like you're, you're showing up, but you're being like a representation or alternative version to yourself. Uh, yeah, just a, a really good book. If you get a chance, check this out. I want to end off with a really good quote from Severina. Shout out to you, Severina. We appreciate you. This book is, is really good. So thanks for introducing it to me. And so she says in the book, let me make sure I have it here. If I'm not mistaken, this is on page two. See, I got the book in my hand, but I also have it written down too. She says on page 258, of her contribution, and I quote, for three years, I found myself working early in the morning and late into the night to prove I deserved this job. Not only was I accomplishing the role that I had to create over the years since starting, but I also took on tasks that were bigger than me. 
Over the course of this time in the role, I had given so much of myself up to something that didn't require the attention or level of detail I put in. The role became an extension of me and I would often put my life on hold in fear of my dedication to the mission being questioned, end quote. We've talked about this before in the nonprofit space. Don't need to say anything else. Pick up this book. I'm going to put it in the show notes. An amazing job by black by the Black Women in Nonprofit Leadership Cohort by the Dallas TRHC. This is an impressive book. I think I spent this, I think I spent 25, 20, 25 bucks on this book. You can catch it on Amazon, pick it up, read it, love it, and let us know how you feel about it this fall.